Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a good amount of news to get to in the front. We've got some basketball to talk, some basketball recruiting, um, some walk-on offers on the football side, some watch list season as it continues, um, and a former Badger found a new home. So we'll touch on each of those in the beginning and then in the back half of the show. Um, we're going to get into some players that we think are going to break out in this 2021 season. If you read um, Bucky's fifth quarter, we've had an installment where each of our writers has picked um, one player that they think is going to break out. If you haven't already, go check some of those out. I think it's a good list. Um, but today we're going to kind of continue on that trend, and each of us are going to pick some players that we think are going to break out beyond um, that list. So it should be fun. Might be some overlap, but I think it'll be a good exercise to get ready for the season which is now really almost August here so it's right around the corner where practice will be starting up and we'll be able to see and and start hearing some storylines from camp on which guys are starting to make an impact so I will say we do use breakout term a a little loosely Uh, essentially we think guys that are going to maybe go well above and beyond expectations or completely burst on the scene so it's really open to uh, open interpretation on what uh, the rules are for it, which should be a fun exercise for sure. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, I'm excited about our, our conversation, just really looking at it as who are guys who are going to elevate where they are within the program or, or really the baseline that they've brought to the program the past few years. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see kind of what that, uh, what, how that all um, fleshes out. But, but uh, how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun conversation. It's it's finally starting to be that time of year where we can start getting into um, some of these things. Of course, there's some off-season talk that you try to hold off on and, and wait till you get close to the season, but I think this is a great one um, to preface camp opening up, and hopefully some of these names will start to see uh, making a big impact, and, and hopefully when we can see some practices and start hearing some storylines come out of there, we'll, we'll see some of these names that are making a jump up because I know Wisconsin will be looking for uh, – few positions that'll have some guys that will need to step up. So I think it's an important conversation to have to, to provide a little baseline before we head into fall camp. But before we do that, why don't we head into some news? Uh, of course, there's been quite a bit over this last week or a few days. I know on the opening show of this week, we had quite a bit of news to get to as well. Um, but the first one for today is the Maui Invitational. The bracket was released. Uh, Wisconsin matches up with Texas A&M in the first round. What do you think of that field, and what do you think uh, of the matchups for the Badgers moving forward there? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a really good field. You, you, I always love seeing Wisconsin put themselves in these in these tournaments to see um, just as an early measuring test. Uh, it's it's too bad it wasn't last year's team who was a little bit more veteran laden. Uh, this year, really young team, but I think it's a really cool opportunity for them to to get out there and kind of cut their teeth, see what they can bring, because this is a really exciting field when you look at who they're going to be going against. Um, starting off with A&M, I think that's a, a really solid game that I think could go a lot of different ways. Then you're either playing Butler or Houston. Wisconsin, you know, has some history with Butler. Houston, a team that you haven't seen a bunch. Oregon is always, always seems to be around Wisconsin when it comes to tournaments. Um, but then um, Chaminade, who's always there in St. Mary's and Notre Dame. Uh, so I overall really strong field. You're going to, you're going to have three games at least that weekend. Um, I think that this, no matter who they play, it's going to be a really exciting um, brand of basketball, and, and it'll be really exciting to see what this team looks like against some really top-level talent in November. So I, I love the field. I love that they're in it, uh, and I'm excited to see what this year's iteration of the basketball team looks like. Yeah, the the Maui Invitational in general is always a fun you know, early-season tournament, but I think for this year, for Wisconsin's purposes, it's going to be a valuable few games for them uh, on a neutral court, away from home against some tough competition. I think it'll be a really good test um, for, for this team that is, is so young, so inexperienced. It's going to be one of the first real big opportunities for them uh, to play on a, on a stage quite that large for a lot of these guys. So I think these early season tournaments always pay dividends down the road if you're able to get into especially some of the premier ones like this. Uh, you know, Maui Invitational is one that is – always exciting and always purposeful for a team. But I think especially for Wisconsin, so many young guys, so many new guys in the rotation, this will only help the team. doesn't matter if they go to Hawaii. I mean, if you lose three games, not great. But if you go to Hawaii and, and you know, compete and whatever the results may be is, is fine because I think at the end of the year, um, how this team progresses into Big Ten play, I think this will really be a good test and a good opportunity for them to learn some things about themselves, get tested, and, of course, um, improve, and, and hopefully that'll pay big dividends down the road. For sure. All right, moving on to the next piece of news. We've got some basketball recruiting news in Braden Moore, of course, a Wisconsin target that was very much uh, on the Badgers' radar out of Nashville, Tennessee, in the class of 2022. Uh, he announced his commitment to Rutgers today, so not all that surprising. I know there were some crystal ball predictions in there for Rutgers, but Wisconsin was a team that was certainly in the mix you at all surprised uh, by this decision, and uh, what do you think this means for Wisconsin moving forward? I wasn't overly surprised by this. Um, I think if you've kind of been watching how things have kind of gone on and where Wisconsin is leveraging um, their their time since the the evaluation period has opened back up and, and the AAU circuit has gotten going, um, he hasn't been somebody that the Badgers have been overly high on and, and been – in front of Greg Gard has really made an effort to get in front of Rowan Brumbaugh, a kid who took an official visit, and then Braden Huff, um, who really talented kid out of Illinois who took an unofficial visit to the Badgers and that the Badgers really love. He's really high on the Badgers as well. Um, so I think those are where um, Wisconsin is really focusing their attention. And I think, you know, Braden Moore kind of saw that um, and, and he's going to stay in the Big Ten. Rutgers, it's it's an, a, a solid program that's doing a lot better, but at the same time, his his other two options were Rutgers and Nebraska in, in the end, and and I, I think Wisconsin just decided to go elsewhere, and I think 
with with decent reason considering where they stand with these other two, especially Huff, who I think has a similar game but maybe um, brings a little bit more to the table for the Badgers in terms of fit. Yeah, I think the thing when when fans or people that read and see this right away, I think when you look at it, you know, Wisconsin lost out to recruit uh, against Rutgers. That's generally a battle you want to win, but when you add in the context of it did seem like the recruitment was not necessarily slowing down, but I think Wisconsin was really more focused on um, some other stokes in the fire that way. And then, of course, as a prospect, you want um, to go to a team that is very much sold on you and is hoping um, to land you there as their top guy. So I think mutually it seemed like um, the path was trending towards these two likely not ending up together. I know when we talked about them a little while ago, of course Wisconsin was in the mix with the other two Big Ten teams, but you know you can only take so many players, especially on the college basketball circuit. You've got to really focus in on, on the guys that you like, and if you feel that there's something else out there um, in terms of players that you're that you're more focused on, and, you know that's just the nature of the beast that way. So. I know at surface value, losing out on a recruit to Rutgers maybe makes, maybe jumps out a little bit, but given the circumstances of the situation, it's really not all that surprising. And, and I, I don't think anything major that, that fans would really need to read into too much. Totally agree. I, I think you, you look at it, Wisconsin's in a fine place with their recruiting class right now. They're being selective. They only have so many scholarships. Um, and, and I think Moore was ready to make a decision earlier um, than Wisconsin would probably have liked, um, just based off of he was probably lower on their board than some of their other targets that they've really been going after hard this uh, this July evaluation period. All right, moving on down the line now, we've got another Wisconsin Badger named to the Outland Trophy watch list in Logan Bruss, um, given annually to the best interior lineman um, in college football, really, I mean, not a surprise that he's added to the list. You're presuming to be um, you know, the starting right guard for Wisconsin, so he made that list. You know, anytime a Wisconsin offensive lineman is out of position, you would think that uh, he's going to be part of this watch list. And I know Wisconsin's had a pretty good history of Outland Trophy winners with Joe Thomas and uh, Gabe Creamy both taking home that award. So, are you at all surprised that Logan Brust is is part of you know O line U and, and being named to this list? Not at all. I, I think he is, right now, um, based off of his body of work, he's probably Wisconsin's top offensive lineman. I think you're looking at a guy who's probably going to get drafted um, come next spring. And and really, I think he, he has some nice elements to his game. He's played a, a ton of football. I mean, this is a guy who's, who started over 20 games with the Badgers, um, both at right tackle and at right guard. I think he's he's – set to be at right tackle this year once again. And I think in in looking at what he brings to the team, it, it makes a ton of sense that he gets this recognition, especially when he's probably, on paper at least, the top offensive lineman that the Badgers have based off of experience and, and what he's done with the program in the past few years. Um, he's a very talented individual who, who deserves this recognition, I think. Yeah, m- most definitely. I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said there. He's He's been a He's going to be a valuable piece for the Badgers this year. It would not surprise me at all if he really has a strong season and stands out. Um, just given off of you know everything he's done uh, for Wisconsin in the past, you expect him to take a leap forward with a little bit more normalcy. And we're talking about breakout players. I think Logan Bruss is certainly a player that could jump beyond his means, but obviously a very well and you know household name for Wisconsin football fans just based on his track record that way. So uh, very much deserving and a cool opportunity. I know. 
watch list don't mean all that much to, to maybe the fans, but I think it's cool for these players to get recognized early in their career, and I know they'll be hungry to hopefully pursue and uh, and, and make it uh, on the cutdowns of these lists. So that's the important part. That means you're having uh, the season that you expected for sure. Yeah, and, and he's he's got he's got the ability to be an NFL draft pick down the line, and so I, I think he's going to have a nice season this year. All right, next piece of news. There's been some walk-on offers going out that we have not talked about yet. Actually, one just broke through, so three in total. Uh, Matt, why don't you give us a rundown? I have not read up too much on, on these uh, the other two, and then, of course, the kicker one just came through. So uh, anything that you want to add on these three walk-on offers that went out? Yeah, so a, a pair of linebacker offers went out last week. Um, one to in-state linebacker Zach um, Goodman, I think you is that how you pronounce it, out of River Valley High School. Um, it, two, six two two ten, so good size for a, for a walk on, um, and has some some offers, some solid offers, especially when you look at you know South Dakota, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, um, and a bunch of D two schools. So I, he's going to have options, but he he's a kid that played running back. Um, in a, for a very small school, but also played linebacker, kind of a do-it-all guy, um, and was the conference player of the year on offense. So I think he's a guy that we'll see if he if he says turns down, um, you know, scholarship money uh, from the one double level, or if he becomes a Badger. Um, but then the the other kid was Austin Hartnell, a kid out of Washington, which was you know just kind of out of nowhere. He plays at a Seattle prep school. Um, and, and he's 6'3", 230, so really good size, plays tight end and, and linebacker in high school. But I had the chance to talk with him a little bit, and, and he's a kid who he he's loves Wisconsin. He had told, told me that Wisconsin is the top of his board right now, getting interest from a, a bunch of Pac-12 schools as well, um, and, and has a few D1AA offers right now. But um, they're considered the front runner. He has a really good relationship with Bobby April. Um, and, and it's really funny. He's, he's rated as a three-star kid from 247, but, but he wasn't on Wisconsin's radar until he started. He actually sent emails to Bobby April, sending his film um, and, and writing him um, personalized emails to try to get on uh, in Bobby April's um, recruiting board, and, and it worked. Um, so he, he initiated the contact, and it's kind of a really cool story um, for him to be able to do that. Um, the only other... Uh, I guess there's a couple other linebacker offers out with Runa Larson, another guy. I think after you saw Sebastian Cheeks um, commit to North Carolina, Wisconsin's really going to be heavy at linebacker, bringing in a couple walk-ons because they've brought in so many talented guys the past couple of years at, at inside and outside linebacker that they don't necessarily need to take a scholarship kid this year, especially with scout tight, tight numbers. But I think Austin Hartnell kid really excited about this. Wisconsin offer, um, really strong kid based off of what he was saying and getting recruited as an outside linebacker. I think that makes sense for them to try to bring in a couple really um, high upside linebackers that could maybe help them out um, as walk-ons and, and down the line. And then a kicker here just, just came in. Um, that was That's an exciting one because you look at Wisconsin, constantly you need new kickers. You're, you're looking at Colin Larsh probably being done after this year. Gavin Lamb is, is the kid out of Kakana, um, and he, he's a kid who drilled a 50-yard field goal this past season with his high school. He won the specialist camp at UW twice 
um, and, and took an unofficial. So if you look at it over once this past summer, he's been on campus three separate occasions. Um, so I, there's got to be some some heavy interest there. And and so I would imagine that that's a guy that they're probably in really good standing with, and and hopefully they can close on here soon to to kind of bolster some of their special teams. But um, kicker and punter, you know, decent size, six foot, you know, 180 pounds and or 200 pounds. We'll we'll see what he he could bring if he ends up with the Badgers. But overall, some good offers that went out, versatile playmakers that that we'll see if end up turning down other opportunities to to become Badgers. Yeah, you always love to see Wisconsin going after some of these guys and them, of course, reciprocating and being really excited about the offers. So, um, and once again, you, know, you talk about the, the first two yeah, versatile guys, and, and that's what Wisconsin really goes after, especially in these preferred walk-on spots, guys that can come in and play on either side of the ball depending on how they work out and, and how things develop for them. So I think it's both of them seem like smart moves, and you always want to focus in on that kicker position because I know – the last few years, they've they've had some uh, ups and downs. Well, it was a polite way to say it. So it's always good to make sure that that position is uh, shored up. All right, our last. Oh, go ahead. hundred <laughs> percent, uh, exactly. All right, our last piece of news: um, a new a former Badger found a new home in Taj Mustafa, landed in Kent State. Um, really makes a lot of sense. We figure, um, of course, Sean Lewis, head coach there, former Badger, so there's definitely connections there. Um, I know when you look at Taj Mustafa's recruiting profile, um, when he first came out of high school, he was highly recruited by a lot of different MAC schools, and Wisconsin was probably, um, you know, the the best offer list that he had uh, coming out of school, other than um, some teams like that. So it makes a lot of sense for him to end up back in in that conference and with that Badger connection. So what do you make of of Taj Mustafa and his new home? Yeah, I think it's a really good place for him to land. Hopefully, he has an opportunity to see the field a little bit more than than at Wisconsin. It just didn't really work out for him. Uh, you, you look at where Kent State is, just near Cleveland. That's not too far from Detroit. You're looking at like a three-hour drive. So um, from, from home, a little closer to home for them for him. Hopefully, he can make it work because he was a kid I, I know we were both high on and a, a lot of fans were, especially after he caught a touchdown pass right away as a freshman against, against Central Michigan. And then he just kind of, you know, disappeared for a long time. So hopefully things are, are back in order and he, he can resurrect his career a little bit at Kent State and hoping for the best for him. Yeah, you always got to root for the former Badgers when they move on. I know it didn't work out for him in his time at UW, but hopefully he can, uh, you know, change his scenery, maybe ups his game and, and plays well uh, for Kent State at the MAC level. So it should be exciting to follow his career as he moves forward. All right, guys, that wraps up everything in terms of news. So we'll get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll hop into our breakout player discussion. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, football season is right around the corner. Practice is right around the corner, which means we're going to start hearing some news about guys that are having strong fall uh, fall camps and hopefully developing into really strong seasons. So 
Uh, we're each going to pick some players. Uh, do we want to go draft, you know, me and then you, you and then me? What do we want to do in terms of order or anything like that? You can, you can have first pick. Um, okay, because I think you, you know first who I'm... pick, <laughs> and uh, I think I got first pick the last time we did um, a draft, so I'll let you go first on this one, man. I think All I right. already know who you're going to take. Yeah, I, I think so too, and it follows my article, so I have to stand by my take of, of Graham Mertz being the breakout player. Um, that we think, um, you know, I'm very much, you know, uh, apologizing for Graham Mertz's last year. I think it's it's well um, expected for him to have a much bigger year this year. I know in my article I said I expect him to be an all Big Ten quarterback this year. And, you know, the, originally when I wrote that up, I thought it was a little bit of a spicy take. But when you think about it in the Big Ten right now, in terms of quarterbacks, there's really not a guy – I mean, Michael Penix out of Indiana is certainly a guy that could be up there, but I know he's um, been battling some health issues that way, so you don't know if he's going to be 100% at least to start the season. And then across the, the rest of the conference, there's a lot of, I don't want to say question mark type, or question mark quarterbacks, but I think it'd be a down season for Graham Mertz if he wasn't, you know, at least a first or second team guy. I mean, right now, um, you're looking at the Phil Steele magazine. You know he's got Tanner Morgan as his second team and Graham Mertz as his third team. I would expect him to be higher than that. So I think he's really going to have a great season with everything cleaned up in the locker room, um, and of course with the offense just kind of being um, a little bit sputtering last year, and him of course um, battling through COVID and that shoulder injury. I think if everything is back to normal, he's got his receiving core. I think he's due for a, a really big year, and the revenge tour for him starts up on September 4th, and I can't wait to see what he does, and then hopefully he's back to that uh, Illinois game, because we'll always have that to remember, and, and so far I think he can certainly get back to that level and beyond it. Yeah, yeah, I, I doubt he's going to throw exactly as well as he did against <laughs> Illinois. Uh, that, that output was pretty uh, pretty amazing, but, but I do agree that I think he's going to have a much improved season. You look at his stats from last year, and it, it they weren't great. He wasn't working with a hell of a lot either, so I think based off of the conversations you've heard from players at Media Days and whatnot, he, he's a guy that, that they all feel is ready to make a really nice step. Um, I'll, I'll go with a, a guy on the other end, and it's funny because this is actually the player that I wrote my article on. Um, just I, I figured I would start there uh, It's in the draft because I, I had a really strong inkling you were going to go with Mertz. Um, I, I'm going to go with Nick Herbig. Uh, I think he's a kid – who is absolutely dynamic from that outside linebacker spot. He was playing a little undersized last year, uh, came in came in not very big. Um, and, and really, you look at what he still was able to accomplish, and he put up some really good stats last year. Um, came in at about 215, was playing at about 220. In the spring, weighed 228, uh, which is which is solid weight gain um, for, for him and, and for an outside linebacker. Um, but but really, you look at he was fourth last year in tackles, playing in all seven games, started every one of them, 26 tackles, six tackles for loss, one sack, um, and, and two QB hurries. I, I think he's a kid that when you look at what he can bring off the edge, um, they need a pass rusher. They struggled so mightily with, with getting that last year. They were 100th in quarterback sacks, 93rd in tackles for loss. That's just not good enough for a Wisconsin um, defense. And I think when you look at it based off of what he put together, I think the comp for him is, is what we saw from Andrew Van Ginkle in 2018 in a lot of ways, where Van Ginkle came in 
first year with the Badgers, was did a little bit, played played some football, was was helpful in a lot of ways, made some nice plays, but definitely flashed where you were like, okay, that guy's going to be a player. And then he in his senior year, he went out and, and had a big season, ended up getting drafted um, by the Dolphins. Now, um, you you look at Herbig, he's a young, he's younger, he's he's only a sophomore, but the pedigree's there when you look at that four star kid who had offers from basically every Pac-12 school out there. Um, and, and, and has the pedigree because his brother plays in the NFL. He is going to be a guy that I think is going to end up being a, a, a top four-round draft pick in the NFL if, if things continue to progress for him because he is really bendy, really twitchy off the edge. And I, I think I'm going to guess that for, for him, um, I, think, I think 60 tackles, over 11 tackles for loss and eight sacks is definitely within – the realm of possibility for him. And, and I think really as Wisconsin's defense needs him to take that step. The offense needs Graham Mertz to make a big jump like you mentioned. Same thing on the defense. I think Nick Herbig is, is a guy that you circle and look at as if, if he really bursts out and has a big year, this defense is going to be you know much improved and, and have a, another element to add. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at the outside linebacker position and how, how key it is in Jim Leonard's defense. It's really important. Um, for a guy like him, I think you know what you have in a, in a guy like Noah Burks. So the other guy at that outside linebacker position, or whether it be, uh, I think, of course, Herbig being the, the primary one or one of those other you know younger guys, really getting that pass rush going is going to be critical. And uh, I would expect that Nick Herbig uh, has a big year, like you mentioned as well. He's got all the tools. Um, he can certainly um, you know make that jump. With, he's got all the skill there to do it, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And they certainly do need it. I mean, you talk about the guys on the offense and the defensive side of the ball that are, are critical, not only, you know, that you hope that they step up, you need to step up. I would say Mertz and, and uh, Nick Herberg are guys that are probably, you know, in the top three of that list of guys that are really, um, they're counting on to, to make much bigger jumps. And it's not that Nick Herberg, he had a good, he had a really good year last year. It's just I think he can certainly take his numbers up um, to the levels that you kind of mentioned there. All right, for my next one, I will go ahead and, and hop to the offensive line. I think this kid has been um, highly talked about all offseason and, and really a guy that uh, is expected to um, you know, move into a starting role and really take off from there, and that's Jack Nelson. Uh, just everything we've heard from him this offseason, it sounds like he's just been an absolute beast. Um, a freak athletically, of course, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, the, the guys that we've mentioned so far, were highly recruited guys who expect in, in year two um, for really to have that jump. But I think for him, you know, we've talked about, we talked about Logan Bruston and his Outland watch list award. I think he'll come on to the scene this year and it really be the next guy that you're talking about a lot on the Wisconsin offensive line. And, you know, you can't really, it's hard to predict stats for an offensive lineman, but I think he's going to be a guy that, all of a sudden, after this year, he's, he's a name that if you follow Wisconsin football, you probably know already. If you don't follow it as closely as some others, maybe you don't because it's the it's alignment and they don't always get the love they deserve. But I think after this year, you'll be hearing about Jack Nelson being a guy that is just um, you know the next in line of, of a dominating Wisconsin football offensive lineman. So I'm expecting him to, to really have a, a strong year. The offensive line as a whole, I think, will be a lot better and hopefully be uh, – protecting Graham Mertz well and opening up some holes for the uh, running back uh, duo of, of Jalen Berger and Chaz Malusi and some others. Yeah, I love that pick. That He was one that I had listed as well. I mean, he's a mauler. He, he's a kid that um, Army All-American, 
went in, was on the two deep as a freshman, which doesn't normally happen. Um, at right tackle, they popped him in at guard just to get him on the field, which which is pretty telling. You know, Rudolph always goes to this top five. But you look at it, Wisconsin's had huge success. You look at the guys who have gone on from either redshirting their first year on campus and, and, and starting their second year, and he's with good company. You're looking at Joe Thomas, Gabe Karimi, Peter Kahn's, um, Michael Dieter, David Edwards, Tyler Biotish, um, you know, John Dietzen and Bo Benchwell did as well. But you look at it, all of those guys either are in the league or or had an opportunity in the league or were, you know, in Joe Thomas's case, maybe the best in the league. Um, so <laughs> you're looking at a really strong lineage of guys. I, I think he's a kid that is absolutely going to have an opportunity if he puts it all together, plays really well, um, like I think he is, to, to be down the line. Um, a first-round draft pick, potentially. Um, I, I think he's that talented. Um, there's a reason he was a five-star in high school. Absolutely. All right, who do you got for your next uh, breakout player? I'm going to stick with a Nelson. I'm going to go Scott Nelson. Um, and um, I, I, I figured there's a chance you might have had him on your list as well. Um, I did, yep. Yeah, <laughs> I, I figured. Um, so Scott Nelson – you know, I think his career arc has been fascinating because um, you, I think if you take out that injury in, uh, in 2019, and I think he, he's probably in a much different space and talked about very differently this year. Um, but, you know, redshirted right away when he got to campus. Um, then 2018 started, started um, eight games as, as a redshirt freshman, which is like, like Jack Nelson. That's usually a pretty strong um, tell by the coaching staff that, hey, this is a kid who is, is really pushing, is, is showing us flashes that he is a really good player. Um, and, and Wisconsin had options there, right? He, he got to start over Eric Burrell. Burrell went on to have a really good year in 2019. Um, but I think Scott Nelson, when you look at it, um, that, that season in 2018, he had 41 tackles. Um, he had an interception a forced fumble. Um, he had some tackling issues, though, as well. But then last season, um, he, he got back to healthy, got back healthy, didn't really play in that first game. Um, but then from the re- that point on, he was, he was really a difference maker in the back end for Wisconsin. It helped him out in a lot of ways. Uh, he's got really good size at 6'2", over 200 pounds. Um, and and he, you saw him really come on at the end of the year. He had four tackles. Um, and a tackle for loss against Iowa, four tackles against Minnesota, an interception against Wake Forest. He also had one against um, Michigan. I, I think he's a guy who's just poised to have a really good season next year, and he's a really vocal guy. Um, I know when we've been to practices, he is very loud. He is, he, is, he is going to be a leader, a vocal leader on this defense, similar to what Chris Orr was um, in terms of if there's somebody that's going to be barking out and talking, and and getting guys fired up, it's going to be Scott Nelson and, and Colin Wilder in the back end. Those two um, chirp quite a bit. So I think that Scott Nelson is going to have a big year. I would anticipate that he's going to have probably 60 tackles, um, you know, at least at least in the 50s. I mean, he had 41 um, playing in eight games uh, as in 2018. So I, I, I would anticipate 50-plus tackles. Uh, a handful or three interceptions maybe, which I think would be awesome for this defense, um, and, and for him to, to look more crisp as, as a tackler as well. I think he, he did that a bit last season, 
I think he's going to be a really good leader from that back end spot and, and really show why the staff was so high on him before that, before that knee injury and, and why the second he got back, he was instantly thrusted back into playing time. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that, the career arc for him, because when he burst on the scene that first year, he was phenomenal. I think everyone um, before that injury the up, on the upcoming season was really high on Scott Nelson. Um, but, of course, when that injury happened, all of a sudden, you, you know, it's not that they get forgotten about, but other guys are playing because he was out for the year. Um, and then he kind of burst back on the scene, and, and I don't think people were surprised at all, but his game really jumped uh, to a strong level, especially late last year. So I wholeheartedly agree. I, I think Scott Nelson is due to to really be something special once again, and I think I, all these guys are important that we're talking about, but he would be a – um, you know, he's not a make-or-break piece over the defense, but if he is is playing the way that we've seen he can, I think it takes this defense to a, a really scary level because all of a sudden you've got a really strong uh, ball-hawking safety that can go out and also uh, lay the wood. You, you mentioned the vocal part of it. Um, he, he's a really good leader for this team that I think defensively might be looking for, um, you know, a vocal leader. I think a guy like, of course, um, you know, Jack Sanborn is a, probably the best player on the defense, but... He's more of a come in and get your job done and lead by example versus a guy like Scott Nelson could certainly be a vocal piece that uh, that they'll need. So I think overall, uh, all the points are great, and Scott Nelson will be a really strong uh, candidate uh, to, to break out and, and have a huge year. All right, who do, you, who do you got next, man? All right, up next, I'm, I'm trying to decide between the two. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Chimray DK. Uh, I don't... I don't think I think both of us probably have him listed as well. I mean, he's just a phenomenal player that, that had a good year um, last year early on. You know, of course, breaking on into his early part of his career filled in really nicely when when guys like Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor went down. Um, I expect with you, the the thing with Jimmy DK is you're going to have Danny Davis back, you're going to have Kendrick Pryor, and you hope that those two are healthy all season long, so you have a three-prong attack at wide receiver along with a, another mix of guys. Um, so I don't know numbers-wise where he'll be at. I, I wouldn't go out and say he's going to be just a dominating receiver, going to take all the receptions, be that you know that uh, connection perfectly um, with with uh, Graham Mertz. But I do think he'll be a guy that they can really rely on and not say, you know, oh, we've only got the top two. We can't go beyond that. I think you've got three solid wideouts, and if all three of those guys are healthy and playing and distribute the numbers evenly, I think they'd be set up for a really strong year offensively. So I'm hoping that Shimray DK, well, the stats this year, maybe they don't blow you off the page in terms of breaking out. I think he'll be a really integral piece to how comfortable this offense moves and how they feel going forward with that wide receiver room. So question for you. So this past year, six games, he had 12 receptions, 189 yards. And I thought he, he played really well. There was times mm-hmm. where – his route running, he he looked like, you know, kind of a fish out of water trying to figure it all out. Him and Graham Mertz weren't always on the same page because of that. Um, but but I think that they've really been working on developing their rapport this offseason. I think he's going to have a big year as well. Um, so you you look at it in terms of the offense. Do you think he can get over 400 yards receiving this season and, like, three touchdowns um, based off of the fact that, hey, he almost had 200 last year in six games? And you, you have to figure that he's going to be at least the wide receiver number two with the Badgers. Oh, yeah. I, I think he very well could jump into that uh, the wide receiver role, um, the number two role for sure. I, I think he's a guy that um, 
if you if he's got that established connection with Graham Mertz and all of a sudden he takes off a little bit more than one of those other guys, I would not be surprised at all. I mean, I think you give Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis the benefit of doubt because they're dynamic players in their own right, but it really benefits to have that connection. And I certainly could see – I would not be surprised at all if he's not just the third-piece guy, if he's um, you know, one of the top two. I don't know if he'll be the go-to guy necessarily, but I think he could certainly be a, a second option that does a little bit different because you look at the offense of Kendrick Pryor's working in the slot. You've got Danny Davis. Um, on one side, if you split him off by himself, and you have Tim Ray DK that can do a little bit of both. Um, I, I certainly see a scenario where Graham Mertz, as he progresses a little bit better, can get into more reads um, that he can go and find uh, a guy like Tim Ray DK. So I'd not be surprised at all if he exceeds those numbers you mentioned and certainly jumps into you know that number two role, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think that's totally reasonable for him. Just based off of what we saw last year, I think he, he just brings a little extra burst um, to the offense, and he's a really talented player given his size. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the defense, and I'm gonna actually stay in the secondary as well. Um, a kid who who really has played sparingly for the Badgers. I'm gonna go with Alexander Smith. Um, he he just brings um, some versatility that, to the cornerback room that I think that they need. You you look at Caesar Williams. He's he's the bigger, lankier corner at six one. Um, you've got Fayon Hicks who can who's really, he's about 5'10", um, you know, maybe listed at, at 5'11", but I'm guessing he's like 5'10 here. Um, and really, he's played a lot of boundary, but the last year, Wild Goose kind of took over that spot in the slot. I think Alexander Smith is a guy that gives them versatility to allow Fayon Hicks to bop into the slot or stay outside, because Smith can cover inside or outside, being almost six foot, um, about 5'11". I, I think he's a kid that is going to play a ton of football this year. And, and a lot of people are going to be like, well, who the hell is number 11, right? And I think that he's not, he might not blow you away. He might not have, like, three interceptions. He might not be as impactful as a guy like Scott Nelson. But at the same time, he's going to be on the field a ton. Um, and, and maybe Dean Ingram beats him out or, or a guy like Samar Melvin takes a nice jump. But, but I think that Smith, he's bided his time in the program. He's a junior now. I think he's going to have a really nice season and kind of set himself up to be one of those, maybe the top cornerback in um, 2022 when when you see Caesar Williams and Fan Hicks move on. I think he's a really athletic kid out of California who can help them out in a lot of ways. And I do think that he's going to really um, be someone that's going to turn some heads this year from from whether he's playing in the nickel or whether he's playing outside. I, I had him on my list as well. I wholeheartedly agree with you there. As um, Once again, he's a player that – like you said, maybe you're. I think you know early in the season you'll be able. If you're at the games, you'll have your. If you buy your little program at the concession stand, the two dollar one, uh, might be three dollars this year. Now that with COVID we lost some revenue, might need to bump it up a bit. But um, he's a player that I think a lot of people will be going. Who is number eleven? Because he just you know he made a nice play. He's working into that third cornerback role. Um, it could certainly be Dean Ingram. I had both of them kind of written down as a slash. I would give the edge to, to Alexander Smith right away. Um, and we'll see, you know, like you said, these are guys that we think coming into camp, certainly there's going to be competition there, but he seems like a guy that uh, is ready to make that jump and will step into. And then next year, you'll feel really comfortable. You know, you look at this year, you've got two senior corners. Next year, you're going to have question marks. I think some of those question marks and worries um, will be a little bit lessened when you see the play of a guy like Alexander Smith. So 
I'm on the same boat with you there. I think he will be a guy that uh, really steps up and, and has a strong year for Wisconsin in whatever role he takes on. I like that you mentioned he could be a guy that works in the slot. He can do both. Uh, so I think uh, either way, he's poised to, to have a really strong role. I won't, like you said, I don't know if there's numbers that you could quantify it for him to jump out, but I think he'll be an integral part of that defense in, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, All right, we've I, each I done three. I think we've each done three. Do we want to just rattle off or um, rattle off the rest of our list here quick as we get to the 40-minute mark? I have one that, that um, I've been holding on to because I, I didn't think you would bring this one up just because um, I don't think it, – it's interesting because, like, the definition of breakout, right, like is, mm-hmm. is I'm going to be toying with it here. And I'm going to – because I think Jake Ferguson is going to have a monster year. I I, like, I think mm-hmm. I think it's just like gonna have Superman numbers for them. I think that could certainly be the case. I mean, he's a guy that is already expected to have a strong year, but I think breakout in that loose term, you could very much um, uh, see a guy like him really elevate his game. So I like that pick a lot. And you know, like I said, uh, it's a loose term of, of breakout, but when you go from being a, maybe a top tight end in the Big Ten to a top tight end in the country, I think that very much warrants a, a breakout tag, so to speak. Yeah, because I, I, think, I think he turns them, you know, he, a lot of people thought he was going to go pro, and I think he definitely could have and probably would have ended up being like a fourth-round draft pick or, or something like that. Um, but you, you look at his numbers, last year he was on pace to go over 600 yards and eight touchdowns. Like, that's pretty damn good. I think you're looking at somebody who's going to be putting up about 800 yards receiving because I do think that Graham Mertz is going to throw to him. And last year he was doing so well in those first two games. Like he just absolutely lit the the world on fire those first couple games when they had the other weapons around him that defenses couldn't key on him. Defenses were able to say, oh, yeah, hey, look, are you going to throw it to Jack Dunn or are you going to throw it to, um, you know, Jake Ferguson or um, Jack Dunn and a pair of freshmen, right? Like so – now you've got a full complement of weapons. I think that Jake Ferguson just going to be able to to hit those deep outs, crush teams with seams. I think he's going to have a huge season and, and really climb draft boards. So I looked at it as breakout in terms of I think he's going to be a guy who could get into into um, easily into the top you know one to four rounds of the draft because he's a really athletic kid, doesn't have any injury issues that he's had to overcome other than that thumb injury back in 2019, and and really he's been pretty consistent all career long. I think it's now um, he's going to really jump and elevate his game because I think he is really talented, and I think he's the best weapon they have on the entire offense. Yeah, I think the, the you know we've talked about it with Graham Murch. We talked about it with Trimmer DK, and, and I think sometimes you get forgotten about with Jake Ferguson is that all these offensive cleanup issues that, you've, that you hope will work themselves out, you get some of these other guys healthy, that'll really pay dividends to a guy like Jake Ferguson because, like you said, he's going to be their number one. I think their number one uh, you know, passing target. That's the guy you want to get a ton of touches in a game. Um, you know, The other guys do a lot well, but Jake Ferguson's, I, I think, by far and away um, the strongest target that you've got on the offensive side of the football. So having those other receivers, having everything else cleaned up should really do wonders for him to take his game to that, uh, that really strong you know, NFL caliber level, early round type guy. So I like that pick a lot. Um, as for me and some other guys on my list, I only had a couple more. Um, I had Isaiah Mullins on there on the defensive line. I think just 
one of those two, uh, you know, Isaiah Mullins or Matt Henningsen, you assume this defensive line is going to be better, so they should elevate their game. I also had C.J. Getz and Aaron Witt, you know, kind of a slash. Um, you that. mentioned Nick Herbig. I, I like the offensive line – or, excuse me, uh, outside linebacker position is one that if a guy like uh, and like Noah Burks, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, you know what you've got from him. He's a reliable player. But if all of a sudden one of those two breaks out, um, they could really move into a strong role. And then for some reason I had Travion Blaylock. I, I don't know how much how many reps he'll get as a, maybe a third safety. I don't know how many num you know his, how his numbers will jump out, but uh, I've seen some off-season workout videos of him, and uh, he seems to be primed and, and ready and hungry for a big year. So, who knows if it'll translate? That's why he didn't make my official you know list that we had at the beginning. But I think he could be a guy that uh, helps this defense out and, and really helps out on special teams as well. I like that. No, those were those were guys I had on my list as well, and were, was contemplating um, taking it. Um, I think Hayden Rucci, another kid. Um, or, or our boy Jack Eschenbach. I think both of those are guys who are going to play a bunch of tight end as well. Um, and, and they're not going to take, you know, reps away from Jake Ferguson here. Um, and, and then a, a couple other players, and I went with more established options here because I think that when you look at it, Leo Chanel's already kind of broke out. He played phenomenally well as a true freshman, played last year as a sophomore. But you look at his stats, and they weren't, like, overwhelming in what he did. But but you look at his quarterback hurry numbers from last year, he had seven quarterback hurries in mm-hmm. seven games, and he had three sacks. You convert half those hurries, because we talked about it so many times last year, he was a step away, right? Jack Sanborn even brought that up during um, media days, that he was that he felt like that they were, like, a step behind. If if they're able to, you know, clean that up, Leo Chanel was averaging, would have been averaging a sack a game. Um, so you're looking at a guy who can really put together some some video game numbers from that linebacker spot. Um, and, and then I do think that either Tyler Beach or Caden Lyles is going to end up being a higher-rated draft pick than people think just based off of Beach is a really good pass blocker. And, and Caden Lyles, I think, is underrated from his center spot. He's just been um, hurt for so long and, and had to battle injuries. But they got him on the field as a as a redshirt freshman on the defensive line for a reason because he's a really good athlete. So I think one of those two, um, you know, once like you mentioned with Nelson, you can't quantify as much um, offense offensive line play, but I do think that one of those guys is going to, and maybe both. I think they both could have an opportunity to end up getting drafted next um, spring. Which I think if you would have told people that last. Last year they would have laughed at you or said no, but I do think that those both those guys have a, a really strong opportunity to do that. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, this this is a team littered with talent, and after a disappointing year last year, um, you expect a lot of these guys with a return to normalcy to really make that jump up. So I think you could see a whole host of these names that we mentioned uh, make that leap and and hopefully give this team a strong year as they pursue, uh, of course, trying to get over that Big Ten championship hump. All right, guys, that wraps up another week of the podcast. As always, thank you for listening. We'll be back with you next week on Wisconsin.